the comic book pit. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Pittsburgh Comics, recently named one of the best comic book stores by the Pittsburgh City Paper. Pittsburgh Comics is the premier comic shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, located in McMurray, conveniently near Route 19 and Route 79. Pittsburgh Comic carries a large collection of new and back-issue comics, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, games, statues, action figures, and more. Don't forget Comics Perks! With the Comics Perks program, you can earn points on every purchase you make in the store. You get a point for every dollar spent, and every 100 points can be redeemed for $10 off a future purchase. Go to PittsburghComics.com for more, or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Comic Book Pit Podcast, episode 373. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, we've got Scott. What's up, everyone? And Jared. Hello! So we've uh, we've been gone a couple weeks. Hopefully everyone had a happy and safe Thanksgiving, if you're in the United States. Just to remind you, because we haven't talked about it in a while, uh, we still have our Patreon and you can check that out at patreon.com slash comic book pit. We're still doing our, our weekly Wednesday comics, courtesy of Jared and Mr. Sean Atkins. Oh, so, yes. Yes, yeah, going you, strong. You can check those out. And um, something that I think we're going to be, I'm, I'm going to fold into the Patreon rewards, or maybe it'll be like a, an unlocking type of uh, reward will be the um, so last month I did a I did a spin-off podcast called Daily Spinner Rack, which was just a, a daily review show of random back issues. Um, usually like somewhere between I, I figured I kind of like between the years of like 1956 and 1996. Um, there was really no rhyme or reason to it. So I, I, I did that for 30 days in November. And it was a lot of fun um, taken off for the month of December because it's December because <laughs> the holidays are, are swiftly approaching and I am not prepared. It, I, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I, I think I want to, and it, it seemed like it was pretty well received as far as I could tell from like the download numbers, but I think I'm going to make it like a part of our Patreon you know, once we get a certain, maybe a certain number of subscribers or a certain dollar amount, then that will unlock the daily spinner rack. Oh, there you go. So, so you kind of did like silver age plus your span, that 40 year span. Yeah, I did a little, yes, yeah, everything from, I mean, I, I think the earliest I did was some early sixties to, I may have, I think I've did a few books in the early nineties, okay, but it was, correct. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, 56 is showcase four. And then probably, which is kind of the, the, the line of demarcation for the start of the silver age. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it, is, is anybody determined when like that ended and, and what came next? Uh, uh, was it? Oh, shoot. Age. <laughs> Yeah, I want to say it was called the Bronze Age, but it, mm -hmm. it was in the seventies. Well, like seventy-four. So I, I was just going to eighty-five. Is that giant-sized X-Men? Um, if you go into the the DC Universe app, you can you can sort 
or you can you can filter the digital comics by eras and they have they have the silver age now again this is just this is dc comics definition the silver age goes from 56 to 71 the bronze age the bronze age goes from 71 to 86 okay and then the modern age is from 86 on yeah uh, wikipedia says uh 1970 to 1984 for bronze, but I think it's so. 86 makes sense as as a change point. That's crisis. That's you that's, know, Dark Knight Returns. That's yeah, point. Watchmen. Yeah. What's 71? What happened in 71? Um. Well, I I think maybe, a lot of the anti-heroes came out, but you know that's like that Ghost Rider era. And let's era. let's look and see what it gives us. Riveting podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's 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 a lot of <laughs> these guys. It's a lot of up on Google. <laughs> it's a lot of fourth world stuff. Uh, a so lot Kirby, of Kirby stuff. Kirby left Marvel. Is that what we're yeah? Saying? Is that what they're saying like yeah? It's a lot of Kirby stuff. Um, it's a lot of like Aparo Batman. It's it's the summer of sixty nine basically. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's 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 the Teen Titans. It's it's it, it, it seems like it's a lot of the fringe. It's like um. Jackie quit. Stanley got married. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> According to, to Wikipedia, Denny O'Neill and Kurt Swan did a Superman arc that eliminated all kryptonite and made Clark Kent less wimpy, wimpy and essentially reinvent Superman for the Bronze Age. There you go. So that's uh, there you go. So that's what you did for your uh, daily spinner rack. You yeah, Silver Age on. Pretty much, yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of seventies and eighties books that were a lot of fun to, to read. Most, most everything I read was new to me. There were only like maybe a, a couple of books that I had read before. Yeah, it was uh, doing a daily show was, was challenging for sure, but it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So that's why I think I want to keep it going. Mm. But but I only want to keep it going if if every if you know if like the the listeners and fans are on board and if they want to support it I think that'll be that that'll be a, a better a better arrangement. Yeah. So. And and I'm hung up on this. So I got to circle back. I I have a hard time considering 1985 the present the modern age. That's 35 years. Like at some point in time, right. like I'd say. 85 fine you want to say 85 that's cool but you can't go 85 to 2020 and be like that's yeah. not not when your previous one was 15 years and then mm -hmm. so then you had 14 beyond that i mean you someone's got to just like sugar it off the pot like you can't just keep going yeah, with the maybe, modern age 85 85 to 2000 sounds like a good cut and out and one of the things that i've i've said before if you go into the archives of comic book pit, but <laughs> you have to way back. But I, I always call this the media. This is the media era where, mm -hmm. um, where the comics are influenced by all the other outlets that they're in now. The last and, 20 years. Yeah. And that's where it's changed. That's what changed. Like, so we'll go the method. Ultimate Spider-Man starts this era. I would say, Probably. yeah, yeah. The ultimate Spider-Man era, because it's also, there was also a fallout, uh, there was an, a lost interest in books because the 90s sucked, you know, and there was a loss of interest in, in the form. And I would, 
I would even actually that was like to me like a new golden age because there was like quality stories were coming back, you know, and you can, you know, I think the early two thousands really represented that. I'd I'd go as so far as to maybe call it like a yeah either a second golden age or like a comic renaissance. Yeah, it was like a renaissance, but then that opened the door because the two the yeah ultimate book line is what launched the movie line <laughs> and, and essentially and then that's when they started playing around with like how do we you know they started playing around with the format and they wanted it to be um you know for mass publishing like graphic novel format um writing for the trade you know mm-hmm. exploded storytelling um more more change then yeah there was a more cinematic yeah. feel because widescreen like, comics is what they yeah, called like it. 99, 2000 is when the authority came out. Yeah. And that's when really we were, I think, yeah, that's when we got you know, like Miller and Brian Hitch and, you know, Warren Ellis. And I yeah. mean, but I don't know if we're still, I think we're with the end, with the Avengers movie ending. I feel like that actually was the end of an era too. And honestly, I think because Hellboy ended, like there was all these like yeah. projects that ended. Um, Walking Dead ended this year, you know. So mm-hmm. like, I think that there's some sort of cap on this era, but I don't know. What yeah, when you yeah, you never know. You need time to identify right. it. Like right. you never really know it. It's only with hindsight is like ah yes, of course that was a, a change. Yes, Ultimate Spider-Man was like a big deal when it came out, but you didn't know it was a change. I, I'm sure right. Crisis on Infinite Earths and, and, and Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen were all like big deal moments, but I don't it know was, if it, people yeah. saw that there was a you know a new chapter had started. I yeah, was six. I don't know. Even though <laughs> a lot of those books were 1986, the I, I actually give credit to Miller's uh, Daredevil Punisher. Um, ch- called Child's Play. I think that was like an '84 or something, or '83. I don't know. But to me, that's when everybody's like, "Ooh, gritty," you know. Like, well, well, Miller on Daredevil in general is right. when he, you know, when he he took the character. I mean, he he elevated that character to a whole. He elevated the Punisher in that story too. That was the first time Punisher was uh, a serious guy. You know, before that, he was just a crazy guy. You know, mm-hmm. he made him into a force to be reckoned with in that story too. So I think like that was the the catalyst, you know, that launched the rest of like everybody's like, yeah, we need to experiment and do dark stories, you know. Well, and, and let's not forget, you know, uh, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill with Green Arrow, Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and then the whole, you know. Speedy's a drug addict. Yeah, uh, death of Gwen Stacy. I mean, there were a lot of. That's going back to the seventies. Yeah, now you're back. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there were a lot of. I mean, I, I like, and it kind of goes to what Jared said. Like th- these are things that it's not like someone just turned on a light switch. Right. And like, oh, all of a sudden we're in the the antihero phase. I think right. it, it 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 was a lot of stepping stones. Yes. That got us. It seems like to that there, point. It seems like there's also an era of disillusionment before. There's an era change, so you know which we have been going through, right? And and I mean we're we're going through now. 
there's an idea. Yeah, like a you're in the midst of it. I well, can yeah, segue I'll, into a book with all of this discussion. Well, right. Well, yeah. I was gonna. It, it got me thinking. Like, you know, we're we're mentioning all these kind of like all these all these marquee books that were um, like leading the industry. And yeah. I don't think there's anything right now that's leading the industry. Like, we don't, don't have leading a, the industry, but this book might as well be uh, sea change. Are we gonna break into? <laughs> Very breaking our first review here. I didn't. It feels organic. I don't. I didn't intend it to. <laughs> well, go for it. But I mean, the, the I'm okay. So we're talking about Dark Knight's Death Metal, which is what I said should be just called Sea Change, because it's very much a very uh, meta commentary on how it's changing, on where it's been, and where it's going. And yeah. it's it is thinly veiled, like the the analogy to like what is actually happening within the real world and at like DC comics in particular and superhero comics and their impact on uh, the zeitgeist and all that shit. Like it's, I mean, they're practically saying, Hey, it's going to change. We're going to change. It's changing. Like this is what happens and this is where it's going. I mean, they, they just put it bluntly. Um, I mean, the, well, they reveal in the, I, I, if, I don't know if this is where your point's going, Jared, but they reveal in this issue that Batman is dead in the storyline, mm-hmm. and and he's been leading all the dead superheroes. So, like to me, that's like a good example of how they're like, yeah, this is a, you know, it's the past, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing's about like an era is ending, and a new era will be starting. And this is like the break point. So, um, I mean, it's a fun romp, but I was just like, geez, Louise, this is so, they're not even trying to hide it. (laughs) They're just flat out saying it. Like it's, well, I think, you know, honestly, what I think is going to happen, I'm going to talk in the grand scheme here again. I mean, because we can shoot the shit about like, Oh, there's the, the, Sorry, Whatever the Batman who laughs is now, and and, and oh, Lex yeah, Luthor's and, and the multiverse that laughs or whatever, whatever they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that nonsense. That's nonsense. That's not the point. The point is, this is a moment where what they're flat they, out changing the model. When they and when yeah, because when they they I've know it in other books when they go to the abstract cosmic level, it's when the it's when the writers have something else to say, you know. That's yeah. usually what it means. Yeah, um, and usually abstract they, they loses me because I'm stupid, but I'm not lost this time. <laughs> yeah. No, but my here my my thinking is is that there's been so much, um, you know, so many new people, new types of readers, and new types of fans of comics that are trying to enter into this arena. And let's be honest, like here we are, we're you know we're aging white guys, you know that this. This was our era, you know, but like, but it, it's changing because, you know, we want to see other people into this, you know, we want, we want other people to get into it. So that means, you know, the shakeups at Marvel and the shakeups at DC and the staffing and, you know, like these dark um, closets are open, you know, there's things like that to happen that's going to cause the change where then maybe comics becomes more inclusive. Because then it's also going to, it's what they've been trying to get into the movies, but they're also like, well, we have all these, 
awesome, you know, heroes, but they're all white guys, you know? So they're like, well, we want to try to be more inclusive. So uh, they're trying to find that way to make it, to change it, you know, to get to that. And I think that's going to be the new era, but they haven't figured out how, how to make it work yet. Like, it's still like they're yeah. still investing those. I, th- I think what's happening is they're in, and what, from what it sounds like DC is doing, not just in this story, but with their publishing model is abandoning, uh, tightly held continuity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, flat out say, I think it, that's what I heard. Yeah. I come to this one page where it's like the knot unraveling and it's, I don't know. I can't oh, I find mean, the exact quote, but even with all their properties, they don't even, it, it all <laughs> happens. And to stop being so like, Anal retentive in how they, you know, they, think they of it. They came up on that on that Earth One concept. They're basically like, no, there's 52 Earths, and each one of them's like, you know, whatever television series we're launching next. Yeah, you know, now it's an omniverse. It sounds like, and yeah, and the publishing models is going to be, we're just going to tell good stories, quote unquote. They're going to they the- fit wherever they fit, and and I was reading some. It sounds like that they're paying less too. So the trade off is. You can do whatever you want, but you're just not taking home as much. They're the going to the Marvel level. Uh, actually, do you remember back in the, the 2000s that, um, I think it was the 2000s, but basically Joe Cosada wanted to get away from the multiverse for a while. And then I think he just gave up on it. But he he seemed like he was, like there's only one universe, the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. And he would say that, and then people were like, yeah, but what about, you know, Earth? blah 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 number you know yeah and uh yeah yeah, yeah they really didn't want it like the 616 thing almost was like wanna, they didn't want to them. them yeah but now they're just like then they're all of a sudden there's into the spider verse and it's like yeah yeah they're like okay <laughs> like that's where we're going so i think he just kind of this was like 20 years well, he was long well i don't know what he does for them now but he certainly wasn't in charge of the publishing by that point in time. Yeah, he, I just remember there was a time where he he just wanted it to be one universe, but it was like it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, they're embra- yeah, they're certainly embracing all that. I mean, with the, the next, I guess, with the next Spider-Man movie, the the Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. right? You know, all the the Flash movie. With, uh, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, you know Michael Keaton playing his Batman and Ben Affleck playing his Batman, and see, the yeah. show has definitely primed the pump, and then the, like you said, Spider Man primed the pump, so mm-hmm. yeah. people accept it, right? So now, now, that's the, what it is. Now people writ large can get hung up on how it all fits. The, Good yeah, luck, yeah. people. Good right. luck. Exactly, they you're going to be. Tied up by the shit that we've already given up. That's why Marvel <laughs> Marvel's launched their their movie verse with Iron Man because it's a guy that built a suit. Like that's the easiest concept for anybody to catch on to. And they waited how many years before they introduced magic, you know, to with Doctor Strange. And that was actually a, a problem with um, with um, Agents of Shield because they couldn't. Their hands were tied. They weren't allowed to do certain things because it hadn't been rolled out yet. So, yeah. and they were all because they were afraid that people couldn't figure it out. And it's like people are watching Harry Potter. I think they're going to be okay. You know. Well, plus, I mean, I mean, 
yeah, things are different now, but for a majority of people watching who have been reading comics for years, like no, very few, hardly any probably comic book readers ever started with anything. Number one. Oh yeah. Everyone's first comic was something that had already been running for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I started reading Marvel comics in the mid eighties. I mean, my, my first comic was X-Men 207 and I didn't know what the hell was going on, but you just jump in and you start reading. It's like, that's why I think that's what I miss about it with comics now is they don't have a good, they don't have a, a a story intro page like they used to, where they, they'd show all the X-Men jumping in the air and they'd have their name Mm -hmm. inside them, you know, something stupid like that. But like that's what that's what the danger room was for, basically. They're just like, well, this is us. We need to have him talking. All right, just have him in the danger room first. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, well, that's that was one thing that I found really interesting about doing this. To go back to the the daily spinner rack show that I was doing. I mean, so many of those books that I read were just books that happened right in the middle of whatever was going on. And I, they were fine, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe I didn't know every single thing that was going on, but it's not like I, I got to a point and I threw my hands up and like, "Ah, I don't understand what's going on. Nobody needs, nobody needs their hand held. I think, you know, when you're, especially when you're a teenager and you're just trying to, you know, everything's like a sponge anyway. So you, you read the books and you're just like, oh, you know, and it's easier now to find out what happened. But like back then, mm-hmm. you're like, "Where's the closest comic book store?" Oh, it's sixty miles away. Yeah, and There's we didn't have one. You know, we didn't, have, we didn't have little pocket computers with Wikipedia. No, you just had to wait, and then you bought back issues, and you tried to piece it together, and you read mm-hmm. bullpen bulletins, and you know, you tried to fill in the gaps. Yeah, mile well, high comics. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, you and weirdly, a lot of times you'd 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 get nuggets of knowledge from reading the letters pages because yeah. people would write in from a few issues, you know, right. Referencing stuff that happened a couple issues ago. Right. And you'd be like, Oh, okay. I get it now. But letters pages are, are a thing in the past. Right. And I think, and that's because the, the style of writing is that they write six issues. They know it's going to be collected into a volume and that's your shot. Like if you missed it, you you started well, issue four. That's your chance to jump back in. Plus, everybody, nobody writes letters anymore. Everyone just writes responses online. Yeah. So they just write to each other now. Yeah the the letters column is now Twitter and Facebook. How about if anybody sends us a hand printed letter that we'll we'll post it on yeah, a on a virtual, a virtual letter page. Yeah, the comic book pit letter letters page. Well, I guess well first of all we'd have to have a contest to, to yeah, name it. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do right. it, you gotta as is tradition. Yeah, they would always have a contest. Page. Yeah, name our letters page. That'll be that'll be a contest. We'll we'll sponsor a <laughs> name our letters page. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to add one more thing to Dark Knight's Death Metal number five. Why why can't they just have this be the last issue? I'm tired of reading. <laughs> I, I 
And I've been enjoying, like, because I, I love the whole concept of it. It's like going to a rock concert when you're reading a book. But honestly, I thought it was, I was thought, I, I honestly thought it was five issues. Now there's, now there's seven. There's, there's like number ones out this month. There's three of them. I was like, get out of here. I'm not reading all the kids. <laughs> get no, out of here. I don't, I don't mess with the, the, uh, the spinoffs. A few. It mostly depends on who's drawing it. Yeah. If, if I like the art, then I'll get the, uh, yeah. Buy in. Yep. But that's about it. Um, yeah, that is it. That is it. That is the only thing. Um, the Robin King. Yeah, Robin King, Riley Rossmo. Yeah. Yep. And then um, there were, I got the. I got the the Christ. Uh, I don't know. Juan like drew it. it was, I forget which one it was even. What it was even called? Something like maybe Multiverse or Crisis of the of Infinite Multiverse. I don't know. It doesn't I matter. Think that's the one I picked up. It, it looked cool. Yeah, I like yeah. the art. It looked cool. cool. And I think it was also, like I say, it, it was a big concept book. So I was like, oh, I, I love read. I always loved that about Silver Surfer back in the day. So I'm like, I need to read the big concept stuff. Yeah. And to see if Jack Kirby's going to appear in it or not, you know, <laughs> some sort of higher being. So. Oh, I have, I have that book, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Silver. There were Silver Surfers like that where. Um, because there was the maybe it's not in this pile. <laughs> character called the one above all, which I think is God, but it also might just be just Jack Kirby. Yeah, that was a fanta- I think it's downstairs. That was a Fantastic Four book. Yeah, from the the oh Wade yeah Miringo run. Yeah. yeah, where the thing died and they go to heaven to get him back, and God is Jack Kirby. <laughs> The one above all. Um, so that's it. That's all I had to say about metal. I like it. It's it's a oh, fun. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Like you said, it's a high concept story. I like it. It's Greg Capullo. I like him. It's rock and roll too. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, if anybody can can do these heady things, I mean, Snyder tends to like to ask questions, but doesn't really like to answer the questions. Yeah. Um. Well, obviously, he's, he's putting these yeah. books out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then when he finally is forced to answer them, the answers are can can be weak sauce. But uh, it's still, it's his answer. Whatever. Is, his answer is: Did you say another six issue series? <laughs> More questions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, it is what it is. It's it, it's enjoyable, and it's like I said, very much uh, wrapping up one era of how they do it and going into another. I guess we'll see. We'll see if they do. Cause you know, these things do that. And then they just like self-reference back. Yeah. Like, it's a bold new era. Like, Hey, remember before this all changed? Like, Oh my God, everything changed. Like, how do we not make it change? We'll see if they, if they can have the, the chutzpah to go through with it and, and change without like having the characters, having some sort of existential crisis that they've abandoned yeah. their comfort of continuity. <laughs> That's the next metal series. Yeah, speed metal. <laughs> Conscience of. Did they do that already? What's all the metal? They're out of metal puns. I was gonna say, yeah, they did speed air metal. I guess that's it. <laughs> I mean, they, in this book, they even had you know, there was a Batman who was Gotham City. So I mean, yeah, they've gone, they've gone down that well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a wasn't there a T Rex Batman? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's brain was in the robot dinosaur. Yeah, they they did it all. Yeah. They ground it out the way that Spider Verse did. You know, they sure did. Yeah, so they can slap a Batman into a into a scenario. They did it. <laughs> um. All right. Well, speaking of, I'm going to do my next book. Um, but speaking of high concept books, um, Terry Moore, who's a favorite of mine, um, infamous for the Strangers in Paradise and all those other great titles. Um, he just he he snuck this one by, and if I didn't follow him on Twitter, I wouldn't have known about it. It's he did this graphic novel called Ever, um, Ever the Way Out. I guess it's the full title. Yep, it's on the spine. So, Ever the Way Out. So, I had no no idea what this was about. This isn't any of... I mean, this character might have been somebody that he's introduced before, but honestly, the way they... You know, Terry Moore is infamous for, like... He's like, here, here's a teenage girl, and, you know, she's just in this story. <laughs> like, to start out. You know, like, who knows? Who knows what's going on? Um, so the big concept though, is that she actually is like the, the daughter of Lilith, like the original woman, because okay. in the Terry Moore verse, you know, Lilith was, was the first born of mankind, you know, the woman kind, you know, um, and she, you know, her fall from grace and all that stuff. All these things that I used to hear in college about about Lilith and Lilith Fair. Um, but they... <laughs> but basically, that's Terry Moore's... Um, this book is his... Almost like a backstory to his uh, world building. So... Everything exists, you know, that Terry Moore creates, everything exists in that same earth. So this is his his backstory for angels and um, you know Lucifer, Lilith, God, you know everything, and he centers it around this girl who's allegedly the daughter of Lilith, and it what's it's a crazy concept. Like, I mean, I'm reading like 80 pages of this, and I'm like, oh my god, like where where is this going? But what it all came down to was whether or not she could free the Nephilim from hell. And that was the test. Like, and I don't want to spoil how that turned out, but basically it was almost like a Scott Snyder project because within the last two pages, it was like, boop, there's the answer. <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, like you go through all these pages of, um, you know, world building and introspective type and like, you know, human concept kind of, and it's like, this is a good read for sure. Um, I don't know, you know, story-wise, I did feel like it was like a backstory, though. Um, I don't think it was like, um, I don't know, if it, it didn't feel like a groundbreaker to me. It just felt like he really wanted to fill in this backstory for some reason. And I don't know if it's to fill in what, what's already happened or what he has planned in the future. So, if you're a Terry Moore fan... It's worth checking out for sure. Um, obviously, I, I'm always a fan of his art. Um, his ability to have super serious cross-referenced with comical scenes. I mean, 
he's an inspiration to me. So, um, anyway, there it is. Terry Moore, ever the way out. That's my 10 cent tour. <laughs> okay. Well, this might be a good, a, a good point to take a quick break and talk about our, one of our two sponsors for this episode. We have, uh, you, well, you heard, uh, Pittsburgh comics at the beginning of the episode. And now you can hear about Thriftburg. Hot dog. This week's episode of comic book pit is brought to you by Thriftburg. Do you need a gift? That's more interesting than a gift card. Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things, vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s, they have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Comic Book Pit listeners also get 10% off their purchase of $20 or more with coupon code COMICBOOKPIT. That's all one word, COMICBOOKPIT. So visit thriftburg.com and check out their hundreds of unique vintage items. All right, and we're back. Thanks again to Thriftburg for and and to Pittsburgh Comics for sponsoring this episode. So I went out on kind of a limb, and I, well, I've been I, I've really been enjoying the fringe Marvel books lately, like Black Widow, yeah. Black Cat, and I heard good things about Taskmaster number one, and it was uh, written by Jed McKay, who's the same guy that writes Black Cat. So I figured, okay, I can't be, you know, I'll probably enjoy it. And it's a five issue limited series uh, drawn by Alessandro Vitti. And the first issue was just a blast. It's, it's a great mix of action and humor, but not like over the top Deadpool style humor. Um, it's, it's a simple, it's a simple concept. Taskmaster is on the run after he's, possibly been framed with the murder of Maria Hill. And it starts off with, uh, you know, this is even before he knows that he's being hunted for the murder of Maria Hill. He's, he's at this taskmaster is at this celebrity golf tournament, but it's a golf tournament where supervillains team up with mobsters. <laughs> and so taskmaster is with this one mobster and they're playing against another pair. It's Bullseye and another yeah. mobster. <laughs> and it's and it's just funny. The 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 dialogue between Bullseye and Taskmaster is is great. Um, the action starts right there on the golf course, and it just it doesn't let up for a solid I don't know four or five pages. Just great stuff. Um, I Alessandro Vitti just does some awesome action pages, but not just the action. So, you know, skull, uh, skull master taskmaster <laughs> wears this, uh, skull mask. Like that's not his face. It's a mask, but he, you're, st he's still able to pull off like a range of emotions with him wearing this mask. That's really surprising. Um, and again, like the book is just uh, just over the top enough to be fun and interesting, but it doesn't feel like it's a wacky Deadpool comic. Um, 
like I said, a lot of good action, good humor. Um, when you find out, you know, when you see when, when he finds out who's after him, it's it's like the equivalent of him like dropping a deuce in his pants. He is just like, like he wasn't really taking it seriously until he finds out who's after him, and then he's like, "Oh damn, I'm in trouble." And so that's that's where the the book goes from from there. This was just yeah, like I said, a lot of fun. You don't have to really know anything about Taskmaster going in. I mean, he's kind of a blank slate. I mean, Taskmaster has been around for a long time. I think since like the mid to late seventies, Yeah. but he's always been kind of like a, a C lister. Um, you know, he's always been like a, a villain for hire or his, his, his other thing is he, like he trains henchmen. Like he's a, he's a goon, you know, he's, he's a goon trainer. They brought him up with, uh, they brought him up, onto the side of good for a while, didn't they? When he... It's possible. I'm sh- again, I think because of the nature of the character that he's, he's never really had a, like a defining moment or a defining story. I think you could pretty much do anything with him. It was when Tony Stark tried to put an Avenger in every state. And they... I think he was training. Wasn't he training? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Avengers, the initiative. That's what it yes. was. Yep. Yeah. So I think he was, it was literally for him, it was just a job because he's, he's just for hire. Yeah. And I think Tony Stark literally hired him and he's like, Hey, normally you're a bad guy, but guess what? You're on my payroll now and you're going to train these people to be Avengers. Right. Um, but Task, well, I wonder if this series, because Taskmaster is the alleged villain in the Black Widow film that has oh. been pushed back. So Marvel right. may have had plans. Marvel thought Taskmaster may have been their new uh, soup du jour. Could be, yeah. That's that's a. I, I would definitely. I, I think that's definitely a possibility. Uh, that would that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, obviously no Black Widow movie, but but the Taskmaster this issue was still a lot of fun. Um, I would I would recommend it to anybody. It's just a just a fun book to read. I wonder if they're going to try and like, put it on Disney Plus, but charge thirty bucks to watch it, <laughs> or if they learn their lesson. No, they'll try it again. Ain't happening. Ain't gonna do it. Ain't the gonna Disney do it. I'll wait. I'll wait them out. The Disney executives are easily frightened, but they'll return and great. I'm already paying seventy <laughs> bucks a year to watch. I'm already paying seventy bucks a year to watch Mandalorian. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing any premium. Business. Right. No. Um, no, I. It, it's like we're already on. Like we're on the hook for that. We're not. You know, I'm not going to yeah. bite again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I would like it more than I do. <laughs> What's that? Disney Plus. Like I oh, just yeah. like we watched. Um, Herbie the Love Book says, like, I just needed to justify this purchase. <laughs> We're watching Herbie the Love Book. It's happening. Um, and then I was like, oh, you sneaky bastard. You're putting the Marvel shows after my one year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I got a re-up. I just got my re-up, and I was like, that's that's pro- by, by plan that it's literally in the halfway mark of the Mandalorian. Yeah. That they can do the re-up. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, good one. But 
I've, I've heard good things about the HBO one. Oh, I love HBO Max. Oh, yeah, now that we have really a new good. TV, it's it's on. And now I have a new TV. The app is on the TV. I don't have to. I had to cast from my phone. Oh, okay. before if I wanted to watch content. At least we had like the HBO Go, <laughs> HBO, whatever, whatever that was. Like they're like you can have access to this too, but that was just HBO programming. Yeah. Now with oh yeah, Max, Max is is the goods. Max is where it's at, and they know what's up because. They're putting Wonder Woman on there in 4K at no extra charge on Christmas. Yeah. Yep. So I know what I'll, I know what I'll be watching. Yes. Sitting under the tree watching some Wonder Woman's on our new big screen. Merry Christmas to us. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> and then, then you see uh, Warner's going to release all 21 movies, all 2021 releases. Yeah, We're going day and day on Max, as well as the three theaters that are open in Nebraska, because they don't care. <laughs> yeah, I just saw that today too. That's uh, very interesting. Although, I mean, I guess it doesn't really bother me. I, I, I used to love going to the movies. I mean, I let me put it this way: I would still love going to the movies, but and this has nothing to do with COVID. Um, I don't like the people that go to the movies because people have forgotten how to be like courteous decent in public yeah yes agreed i will only go like so the last movie i saw in the theater was avengers endgame i saw that at midnight or like 12 30 in the morning before that i think the last movie i saw was solo and we saw that at 8 30 in the morning yeah because i don't want to be around people yeah because they're idiots and like again they don't know how to act in a theater like people yeah, have lost I, the ability to to do that. I stormed out of the theater before the Mr. Rogers movie started and demanded my money back because old people were being assholes about the seats. And I and I was and I I just said fuck this and I left. Yeah, I would and I, poor Susan was left arguing with some old people and turned around and I was gone. She's like, Where did you go? <laughs> and then she can't find me. And I already got my money back. She's a fighter. I'm a flighter. <laughs> yeah, I I would much rather just you know I'm I'm you know what I'm happy at home watching stuff on TV or on my iPad like because I don't want to have to deal with and especially now you know with yeah you know there's so many idiots out there for also, so many reasons. Some of the theaters are renting them out for like a hundred bucks. You can rent it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like for yeah. us. That's cool. That's something that, that actually, like Susan brought up. I was like, why don't you talk to those guys and see if yeah. everyone get everyone together and like pitch in and rent a theater? But yeah, because you get enough people, that hundred bucks isn't that bad. Oh yeah, you I mean, sit in the four corners and, and just be like, you yeah. like this? Yeah, yeah. Even if, like even if you were doing that for like, <laughs> yeah, no, because I I considered for a second I considered it for like my birthday because my birthday was just last month and I thought, oh, that might be kind of fun to do like for a birthday or some sort of celebration, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, cause even like a hundred bucks is really not that much. If you're, you know, getting a bunch of people together, get enough people. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it's just you, then that's kind of pricey night out. But right. It's like, I hate people but, so much. Yeah, I'm going to spend a hundred bucks to sit in this giant room by myself. I'll tell you what though. Have you ever gone to, see, have you ever gone to see a movie like by yourself and been the only person in the theater? Yeah. There's something to that. Yeah. 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 I saw um, X-Men Days of Future Past 
I was the only one in the theater. And it was one of those theaters that had like the recliner, like leather recliners. Oh, nice. And it was amazing. <laughs> those are the ones out in your, the ones in your neck of the woods, Duke, are like that. The ones down yeah. at uh, Settler's Ridge. Yeah. 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 We, when I lived in Bellevue, I used to, we used to go there all the time. Yeah. And, um, we went there when Dexter, oh, it's been, here's how long it's been. It was Dexter got, uh, neutered. Mm. So we took the day off cause we had to take him up. Cause the way that the shelter had an arrangement with like animal friends up in the North Hills. So we had to take him up there at like eight 30 in the morning. Here's the thing. Those fuckers, we got there like eight 40. Cause we're coming from, North Irwin to North Hills at rush hour in the before times. We got there like five, seven minutes late and they hit me with a late fee and like gleefully hit me with the late uh, fee. Uh, like, well, you're late. So that's going to be an extra, just like a big shit eating grin and just hit me with it. So yeah, maybe a friend of the animals, but not other people. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's called animal friends, not people friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called fuck your wallet. Yeah. (laughs) Animal fascists. That's what they are. Um, They're not sponsors, nor will they ever be now. (laughs) And um, then we went, and so we were like in the vicinity. So we went down there and watched um, A Quiet Place. Which, and then we were kind of like, we, oh boy, since it was like a Tuesday at like 1030 in the morning, we may, there was someone else in there. We weren't alone, but it was sparse. And that was a good movie to see, like in a theater with no other people. Oh yeah, in those big fat recliners that you just like sit back in and. <laughs> you know there was there was one uh, to to kind of bring it back around for a for a minute uh, to comics. There was one thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was there was one thing that I got to enjoy not by myself but with one other person this week. And that was a 1993 issue of Namor the Submariner, oh, number 44. I've been waiting. waiting you want to talk? It. We've been talking about um, moments of change. <laughs> this uh, so so a little bit. So let's let's tell everyone. It's just a quick backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell so, people how this happened, Dan. Yeah. So so I was away last week in North Carolina. I stopped at a comic store that I like to visit when I'm down there called memory lane comics in Wilmington. So shout out to them. They have a really cool store and I hit their dollar section and picked up just a bunch of random dollar books for the daily spinner rack podcast. And one of them was this issue of Namor number 44. And I took a picture of all the books I got, put it on the socials just for fun. And Jared messaged me, messaged me privately to say, Hey, I have that issue too. Let's read it and talk about it on the show. So I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. Famous now, last words. Yeah. And I had never read it. And I don't know if, if like you read it and just yes, forgot the, about I, it or this is a book that I, I'm sure I got this book out of like one of those Christmas catalog. Oh, like, like those, grab bag. One packs. of those multi-pack. Yeah, yeah, I sure as shit did not buy this off the shelf. <laughs> um, so I probably started reading it when I was, I would have been 13, 14, somewhere around there when this thing fell in my lap. 
Yeah, so I may have been like read this and been like, oh no, and just mm-hmm. tossed it in a box. And now that's where it's been for the last two and a half decades. Um, so I, we were talking about letters pages earlier. I found the letters page the most uh, intriguing of this issue because it's all of them talking about how like what had just come before and longing for it. So this was like the first issue of this creative team. Like this was the how they started. Yes, which is like mind-boggling. Yes, because and it's also like there's a, this thing only goes for eighteen issues after this. So this is kind of like the beginning of the end. Yeah. So apparently this was this was after John Byrne had left, and this is after Jay, Jay Lee. Lee. Yeah, era. Jay Lee had just left. So previous issue. Uh, yeah. So so the the rest of this series, I think, just barely f- was just floundering. I I, I, I missed. It oh, wasn't the previous issue? There were some fill-ins before, um, which I kind of want to dig out. Like I don't know what like Sean McManus is like an Instagram cartoonist that I follow, and I guess he's. You know how you find cartoons on Instagram? It's like, oh, this, these people have been doing this shit for like 30 years. This mm-hmm. guy's one of them. And yeah. did like some of the fill-in issues between after Jay Lee left and before uh, this creative team came on. Um, but um, so I anyway, so reading the letters page and seeing all these people just pining for the bygone era, I was like, I kind of want to. Because I had the first issue that Byrne did. I, also from like a grab bag, I think. Because mm-hmm. I got that famous pose of Namor coming up out of the water and yelling and shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, Namor. Who who reads Namor? Who clamors for Namor? But reading the letters page, I was kind of like, I kind of want to read this Namor. Because evidently they... I don't really realize that Iron Fist had been gone out of Marvel Comics for some time. Yeah. They reintroduced Iron Fist. And he's like a supporting mm-hmm. character in this book. The Daughters of the Dragon... Are supporting characters in this book, like Misty Knight and um, Colleen Wing, were, were supporting characters in this book. I was like, what the fuck was this book? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this book was like a Netflix show before it was, you know, before mm-hmm. Netflix shows were a thing. So I kind of, I'm sure we can find him on the cheap too. Maybe. Oh, yeah. It's Jay Lee. And I, I would I, hope so. I bet, I bet you, you. Well, that was, yeah, that was like when he first hit the scene. We'll, and, we'll I mean, hit up his, some new dimensions. His, and I think I bought those. I wasn't buying Namor at the time. I, I did, I was a big Burn fan. So I started actually collecting Namor from issue one. And I maybe got like the first 12 or so issues, like the first year for sure. And then um, I, I might have stuck it, stuck through to you know, the, the iron fist appearance, but I definitely remember when Jay Lee became the new series artist. Cause it was like, Whoa, this is so very different from John Byrne, but equally amazing. Yeah. And Byrne wrote them too. I did some research Byrne like wrote and then left. And then Bob Harris writes, which tells me that they just had nobody else around to, to pick up mm-hmm. writing. <laughs> so Byrne must've left an outline. And Bob Harris yeah. was like, I can fill in these gaps. It's probably more more like a post-it note. Yeah. Um, no, but so what's funny is so this issue that we're we're talking about tonight. So this was the first issue of the new creative team of now I, I've heard of the artist. I've heard of Jeff Isherwood before, but the writer Glenn Hurdling I have never heard of before. But it's funny because on the cover there's this you know it's it's a big action pose of namor flying through a wave and it says it begins here a new era of excitement and adventure 
this slam fest of the sea we had to call the rhyme of the ancient submariner. We kid you not. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, wow, this is, it's a new creative team. You know, it's, you know, maybe this is going to be just fun. Maybe not good, but, but fun. And I don't even know how they got this past editorial. Yeah. This, this, because, you're talking about abstract Duke. This thing is, so it's, it's kind of like, I'm not that familiar with the rhyme of the ancient manor. I think we read it in like eighth grade English or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, it kind of like <laughs> paraphrases that with this really weird story of the Submariner. Dan, did you, I think my favorite, I, 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 so on the second page, there's a scene where like, there's these guys on a dock getting ready to get on a, a boat to go out to like, I think they're oil drillers. Mm-hmm. There's an old man standing there, like watching them who reveals himself to be the, the Namor. Yeah, he's he old, grabs old the dude's lighter and burns his fucking beard off. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he burns his beard off, his hair turns from white back to black, and he reveals <laughs> his name more. Well, like, pro- part of me was like, "This is fucking awesome!" Like that dude just, just burned but, his beard off. Well, the, well, there is okay. So that yeah, that is crazy because he just—it's like he holds up a bick. Yeah, and he just torch it. But now, to be fair, there is some precedent for that because. Back in the '60s, when Namor, um, when he was, uh, he he lost his memory. He was like amnesia. He was an amnesiac, and he was like homeless, wandering the streets of New York with a long hair and a beard. The torch, Human Torch, figured out who he was, and he walked up to him, like lit his finger on fire, and burned his beard off. Okay, and like it basically gave him a haircut with his fire finger. So that's so, how Namor shaves with yeah. fire. But okay. I, I think, yeah, and, and and then at the end, and I did notice that he went from like white hair to black hair, but then it, but then I think that must have just been a coloring goof because at the end he's got white hair again. I'll just add the footnote that you guys like the rhyme of the ancient mariner. The first, like the first uh, couple lines of it, it says it, it is an ancient mariner, and he stoppeth one of three. By the long gray beard and glittering eye, now wherefore stops thou me? So they, they oh yeah, yeah, yeah. gray beard right off. That's that's in it, like and it's in yeah yeah. This thing like pair like the the dialogue is written in in like that rhymey prose. I think they're they're straight up using the the poem and just just adapting it where they need to 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 fit yeah. the story. Okay. This is for the, this is just for the three of us folks listening. I'm going to hold the page up to the camera. I don't know if you can read that, Scott. Uh, higher. Probably not. Higher, right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is an aged submariner, and he detains one of three. First off, kudos for you for that literary pull. That's impressive, <laughs> Scott. I don't know if you just googled it. I'm trying to look into reflection yeah. in your glasses. I can't see. <laughs> Here's how my brain works in, in that I, I am a metalhead. But I was like, oh, Iron Maiden wrote a song called Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Nice. So then I typed it in. Of course, they wrote the song based from the poem. <laughs> based <laughs> off Namor 44. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so. And then it's just, I, I don't know what this is. It's like he's remembering some voyage where he's on a boat and there's like Atlanteans with him, but they like, 
draft. But like, I, I, I don't know what's happening here. It, it's yeah, it's it, it's almost like it's part cautionary tale for this young guy who's getting ready to go on a boat. It, it's almost like he's trying. He's telling him this story, and at the end, he kind of comes around to the moral of the very long and very unintelligible story. Because a, a a lot of stuff happens on this on this voyage that it, it's almost like like the Odyssey, but <laughs> yeah, but different. It's probably the hero journey kind of. Yeah, but he. It, it, it's almost like so. Namor kills a winged character. Like he looks like a winged hero. But he, who's called the albatross. Oh yeah. But I'm sure in the actual poem, the captain of the of the vessel probably killed an albatross, and that changed. It's almost like he was cursed after that, because uh, everything from that point forward went bad. Like Namor killed this character, the albatross. The boat got stuck in ice. The water was poisoned. Um, his fellow Atlanteans ran out of like water that they could breathe in their helmets. Um, name, uh, Thanos and death show up to like roll the bones. Oh, <laughs> like, no, literally. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like they, like they, they, they roll dice and uh, Thanos wins his, his wings off his, he, like he literally rips his wings off his ankles. So then Namor can't fly anywhere. He's stuck on this boat. Uh, he can't swim anywhere. Um, the his Atlantean crew are frozen, and so he's stuck looking at them for however long. Um, there's there's demons, there's mer people, there's it's a off model Mephisto that's on this one page. Yeah, yeah it's just so weird. He he comes in contact with. Uh, do you remember Wood God at all? No. Yeah, exactly. So this and is then, your uh, jump on point. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is this is what they decided to do with the with the new creative team. They decided to tell like it now as a as a forty seven year old adult who's read a couple of things here and there. Like, uh, yeah, this the, you know this wasn't a typical comic, but I could read through it. I could kind of understand the the allegory. And, and understand the, the the language and see what they're where they're going, but this was not like if you were just some kid picking this up off the off the rack or off the newsstand, you wouldn't know what the hell was going on. Boring. Yeah, it's, I would say that this this fits very well into the 1993 mindset of like you know image comics like trying to you know like maybe Marvel's like well we gotta act like them. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I, I, yeah, I don't know who this was for. At, I, at at this point, not only were they telling a crazy story, but yeah, I mean, Image was probably poaching all the top talent. So whoever these guys were, yeah, they just stole Jay Lee for yeah, whatever, and, and Hellshock. Hellshock and yeah. whatever he did before that. And I mean, the it's it's passable art. It's not great art. It looks like it was yeah, kind of rushed. It, this is like the the. There's a few good good pages. Or this good is what bankrupted Marvel. This is like that era of just mid nineties, just done 
just Marvel crap. like shit. yeah they just mailing it in yeah and and not not knowing probably thinking they were spinning something great yeah like so i i'm i'm almost i'm i'm morbidly curious to see like what did they do for the second issue of the new creative team did they actually tell a real story yeah, no. I want to go go get like what maybe forty six, forty seven. Find the letters that mm-hmm. made response. Oh, 44. that would be awesome. Yeah, we we have to. I I feel like we have to find out what <laughs> we we have to read people's responses to this. Do some journalistic investigation to this issue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're on it. We're gonna find those issues. So like said, the letters before were just like, Hey, we missed when this book was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, not good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm more in, I'm more intrigued by this poem. I'm actually going to read it after the show. <laughs> the, the, poem. The, the, the poem itself was, I mean, actually wasn't bad. I, 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 you know, even reading it with the context of the, the comic, I could almost appreciate what they were trying to do, but the execution was just so bad. Yeah. And, and maybe this would have been better as like a one shot or an, an annual or like, I mean, I know uh, a I don't backup know, something. story in an annual. Yeah. Yeah. Backup story. story. Like this belongs. Exactly. Yeah. This does not belong in the, the, the first issue, a new era of yeah. excitement and adventure. And it sure as hell ain't a slam fest. I was about to say that. I was like, what kind of, what, I, I feel like your definition of slam fest is very different than, than ours. Yeah. Marvel. He's slamming it into the garbage can. Yeah. So not me though. It's going back in the box in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I do have um, subsequent. I think I do have 45 Dan. Oh, do you? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah, you ought to, uh, See how that is, and uh, I'm pulling up the. I know there's an issue after that. I'm pretty sure it is 45. I'm checking the uh, sp- spreadsheet oh, now. I'll say good, good luck with that because I do not have it. And no, <laughs> back to North Carolina and buy it. <laughs> I'm gonna read the poem and then I'm gonna watch the Iron Maiden video, or not the video, but listen to the song. <laughs> and then someday I might, I might actually read that issue of Submariner. I do have 45 downstairs. I'm going to go get it once we're done here. Duke, I'm going to, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> you Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your Christmas bonus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to do my other book that I was going to, my other. Okay. Book, um, because I feel like it's a good one to transition from is, uh, Gwenpool strikes back. This is the, Sequel, five shot, five issue miniseries to the blockbuster Gwenpool series, um, which was not a blockbuster. But basically, the backstory for Gwenpool is that she was basically literally just a cover spoof um, where they were doing Gwen Stacy in the roles of different characters, and they did Gwen Stacy as Deadpool. And she became Gwenpool. Well, then they decided to launch a series because that cover was so hot. So they made up this story where this this girl named Gwenpool with an E um, came from the our world into the, and landed into the world of Marvel Comics. 
And her power was that she knew everyone's secrets because she had read all the books. But then her conundrum was that she was perceived as a villain because she knew everyone's secrets. And that made her dangerous to all the heroes. So that was like the crux of the, the, the original series. Um, and she dealt with the awareness that if her series ended, then she ends. Because she knows that, like, comic goes, in, it goes away. The co- you know, her character is no longer relevant, and she she winks out of existence from that. So then, that's all well and good because they ended it right, like in the first series. But then they brought it back for some reason um, into this five issue series, and it's literally just five issues of her worrying about her whether or not she's going to exist after the five issues are done. Like it's, it's well beyond what, uh, like what they did in Deadpool or Deadpool talks, you know, to the fourth wall, but he can't mm. the fourth wall. He assumes it's there. Um, where Gwenpool actually can break the fourth wall and jump it out of the panels and travel between pages, much like She-Hulk, could do back in the John Byrne run, um, Sensational She-Hulk. So I. So anyway, this the whole thing was pointless. Like I, I was like five issues of of her. It, she's like, am I a villain? Am I relevant? Am I going to be around? And I was like, this this book already has no relevance. Like <laughs> because they've detached, you know, from. You know, like, it was no longer grounded. You know, it's like it spun off the rails. So, like, at least in the other one, she was trying to establish herself as a hero, but she sucked at it. This one, she was just fighting the inevitable, which was, like, they had given up on the premise, basically. And that really bummed me out. I was like, this is not a good book. Mm. So, but by the end of it, and I'm going to spoil it because nobody needs to read it. <laughs> I mean, I'm being hard on it. Like the, you know, no, no, no. Be hard on it. Yeah, all right. This is my le- my least favorite trope is the real world characters. Like, oh, I'm in the world of a comic book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hate it. So here's what happened, though, is at the end of it, she tried to recreate the, um, like the battle world scenario where um, whoever, whoever lived got their own series, and she had rigged it so that she would win. But then... Um, uh, the new, the new Ms. Marvel or uh, Kamala. Mm-hmm. They're friends, and basically she sat her down and she's just like, you know, you just got these powers, so maybe you're maybe you're not actually from another universe. Maybe you're actually just a mutant. So they literally. So then she believed that. So she retconned herself at the end of the book to become a mutant. Like, I was like, this is ins- insane. Like, they... So then, like, she went through one of the gates, and now she's actually living on uh, the mutant island in the in the Hickman run. Oh, in uh, Krakoa. Yeah, in Krakoa. Like, that's how they ended it. She's like, oh, I guess I won't... I won't go out of existence, because I might appear in the... You know, in the backgrounds in X-Men comics. So, like, she's like, but maybe... And because she was able to pass through Krakoa's gate, 
that actually does validate her as a mutant. So they actually retconned her character that she's a mutant that can break the fourth wall. Mm. I was like, what? No, that's dumb. I know. I was like, oh. like so they yeah, actually it, burned the character to the ground, I felt. Yeah, it's what happens when you just... It, like, it was a funny variant yeah. cover. You didn't need to devote whatever. Yeah. They, they got your money, dude. That, that, to them, success. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. dollars spend just the same as love dollars. Yeah. But, you know, we're here for content. So, like, that's good content. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Joke's on you, Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but uh, actually what happened is this is, you know, part of my, my dig out from last year of buying too many books and not reading them when I, you know, in a monthly fashion. This is the payment I get because then I read all five issues and I'm like, why did I buy this a year ago? If I had, if I had read this first one, yeah, I, I wouldn't have bought it. the other four. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, that's uh, that's the burn on me. But at least you know that's the uh, benefit of uh, you know COVID twenty twenty is that I get to catch up on all my back issues. So. So there you go. That's the spoiler. Um, no need to read Gwenpool review. Yeah, I have. I bought like one issue of Gwenpool. It had like a yeah. Scotty Young cover. I'll tell you. I, I was like, oi. because like the art, I, the art was like kind of inviting. He's a very who guru who or whatever. And so I was like, ah, I, I did enjoy the premise for a while, but then when they when they just go full on into the fourth wall breaking it, it loses its luster real quick yeah I, I don't like that trope yeah yeah. like they did it back at, like I said they did it back in Sensational She-Hulk um, so it's nothing new you know where she ripped through the uh, classifieds you know yeah I've, on someone. I, I really feel like that's a that's a storytelling device that has to be used sparingly and why? It has to be done by the right person. Like wisely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, fourth wall breaking, I don't mind that. It's that whole, I come from the real world where you're a comic book in my world, and now mm. I'm in the land of the comics. And it's like, I, I hate I, it. I did, like the, um, I did like the concept that they were just like, you're a villain because you're telling everybody our secret identities. Mm-hmm. They were mad. And she's like, no, I, I thought I was a good person. And they're like, you hang out with villains, you know, you take on mercenary jobs, you know, they're like, you're, I would say, <laughs> I, I think one of the only stories I really enjoyed that it was that character taken out of the real world and put into the comic book world was, um, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Mark Miller's 1985. Yep. Yeah. That, that was, was really well. That was, yeah, that was probably the best one. Or the only good one, I should say. See, and I did not read that <clears throat> series because of that very reason. I don't like the uh, concept. Uh, you, you, sh- you should give it a shot. You might. I this one that. might be the exception. Or just go back and listen to the our review on Comic Book Pit. Okay. Probably about a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't even. I don't even know if, if we were doing the that. show when that came out. I remember. Yeah, yeah, because that series I think predates. Actually, I uh, I picked it up in and read it all together. And I think yeah. you did on the show after that. Hmm. I remember finding it somewhere real cheap in the, in hardcover, but I don't remember mm. it. 
it's pot. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe we. Yeah, we we probably mentioned it at some point, but I don't. I don't think I was reading it like day and day. Like I don't think it was. I was reading it as it was coming out. I didn't really read it until after it was collected. Oh yeah, me too. But it was uh, it, it was surprisingly good. It really shocked me how how they pulled it off. Yeah. So I would say that's probably one of the only stories that really nails the real world character in a comic book world setting. Yeah. So. I don't know if I'm going to try our search engine and see if I can actually find it. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that then goes back to your saying like a skilled uh, creator. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess the, the last one, last book I'm going to talk about is uh, Suicide Squad numbers 10 and 11. These are the last two issues of Tom Taylor's run on Suicide Squad. This is the end of the series. And I was really, really bummed to see this go. This was from issue one. It's just been a, a like a fast paced action fest, like a, like an action movie, but never at the expense of, character and not only that but from issue one they served up a like a host uh, of new brand new characters but to it, it was quite a feat to, to actually make me care and feel invested in these characters and it's just proof to me that tom taylor did right by this book nice and I, I know I've mentioned this book recently because there was a uh, there was a plot where they that the Suicide Squad found out that Blue Beetle, Ted Cord Blue Beetle was the the bad guy, the you know the the man behind the curtain, and I think in issue nine there was a cliffhanger where um, Floyd Lawton, aka Deadshot, and Ted Cord both went out of the, the window of this high rise office building and in, and they, they had been hinting for a while that um, Deadshot was going to perish in this, in this book. And I was hoping it was going to be kind of like a bait and switch type of thing, but sadly um, RIP Deadshot, but he, 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 he went out, he went out well. <laughs> and, um, and as it turns out, uh, there was kind of a bait and switch because uh, I'm not, not going to give the whole thing away, but but the actual Blue Beetle was not behind the the villainy of this of this book. He was not the big bad. Okay. Um, someone was uh, impersonating him for, for a book called Suicide Squad, where you expect characters to die. There was definitely a lot of weight given to Deadshot's death because I mean, he's, he's been a staple of this book since the eighties. I mean, he's always been on the suicide squad, right? But it was surprisingly, it was, it was Harley who really, you could tell like without even like her saying a lot, like just her, her body, her body language, you could tell that she was taking it hard. And there was even this one scene where the team is still fighting their way through this, um, like this Island of mercenaries and villains. Um, this is after Deadshot has already passed. 
she put she puts on his mask Ooh. to keep like when she when she has to keep fighting like she puts on his mask and I was just like that's just kind of cool kind of like a how she's going to remember him issue eleven was just a nice conclusion to the to the to the whole series to the I mean the short lived unfortunately um, they managed to tie up a lot of loose ends but still leaving a door open for this group of characters to come back. This series, like I said, it, it just surprised me from issue one. Like I'm, I'm not a, I've never been a Suicide Squad reader, but you know, when you say like all killer, no filler, I mean that was this book from issue one. It was just really good, and I'm uh, definitely sad to see it go because it was one that I, I looked forward to like month in and month out. R.I.P. Deadshot. R.I.P. Suicide Squad. <laughs> It'll come back. Well, if it, you know, I, I hope you're right. And if it, and if they, if it, they do, I hope it's the same creative team because Tom Taylor was just next level storytelling in this book and, and the art by Bruno, I think it was Bruno Redondo, just something we're not, you know, it's, it, it's, just, I think it's a, it's a sad commentary, but I feel like we're not used to a consistent creative team on any book anymore. Like we're, we're conditioned to not expect an artist to last more than like a handful of issues. But, um, but this, but this guy, he was, you know, he was the artist on all 11 issues and it was just terrific stuff. So I'm looking forward to see what he, to, you know, see what he does next. Very nice. Well, that's all I have. I don't know if anyone else has anything. I can't remember. Or, no, I'm, I think I'm so. Not. We're doing that. We mentioned the, the comic strips earlier, the comic book pick comics. Yeah. We uh, mm-hmm. I think passed the midway point for our season. Um, we're uh, talking about uh, having some bonus podcasts. The man mm-hmm. and I are – I got to talk to you. We'll have to have a meeting post-show how we're going to do it, but we'll be doing a bonus podcast, bringing back the old uh, sequential underground as a way to recap uh, our, our seasons and what went into a little behind the scenes of making these comic strips. So a little more bonus action uh, mm-hmm. beginning on that, that patron piece you can get that. Yeah. And, and not only that, but we have uh, our other hosts, uh, Kate and link the, our, our married co-hosts, uh, they have put together a show called R2 Yen, which is a which is their discussion review show about manga and anime stuff like that. And there's going to be uh, I have a new episode from them in the uh, in the can, just getting ready to post that. Some other cool content that we have to offer. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. So as always, you can find all that stuff on Patreon.com/slash/ComicBookPit. And you can find us on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. There's probably a few others that I'm, I'm missing, but those are, the, those are the big ones. So and aside from supporting us on Patreon, you can also uh, get some comic book pit gear at our Spreadshop store. And you can also make a one-time donation in any amount to our Kofi account. And all of those links are in the show notes. And just, if 
you're at home listening and you're like, screw you guys, get a job. Uh, you're not paying for our third houses. This thing, uh, believe it or not, uh, costs a couple bucks to keep keep the lights on here at the comic book pit. So, yeah, it goes to that. All right. Well, I think that's about it. We've been talking for well over an hour. Well, and um, some spirited. I think I. Th- what's that? Some spirited discussion. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we really only have a couple of episodes left in this month before our inevitable break for the holidays. So look for a couple more weekly episodes and then we'll be back in uh, 2021. But um, yeah, like I said, we've, we've got a couple of episodes to go before then. So you're not quite rid of us yet. Yeah. 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 Well, you're not rid of us at all. Cause we'll, this, the, yeah. the new year starts and we'll, we'll be here. It's just, We'll be rid of this year. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So we we got time. We got we got. Let's see, one, two, three, like four weeks. Four weeks left in this year. We just started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not out of this yet. That's right. It's like if this is like a horror movie, we got like twenty three minutes left to go. <laughs> so don't don't no false sense of uh, security here. Yeah. The monster ain't dead yet. Don't look in the closet. But we'll keep marching through. Well, I guess that'll about do it for this episode of The Comic Book Pit. This is episode 373. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, we've got Scott. Good night, everyone. And Jared. See ya. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.